Feeling good? You guys ready? You got your Bibles ready to jump into the Word of God? I'm excited for this morning. Uh, we're in a series right now called Acts 2 Church. And why Acts 2 Church? Because Acts 2, we see God's original recipe for the church. And um, we've, been, we've been discussing what it could be like for us to be an Acts 2 Church for a 21st century world. Our, our church was started as an Acts 2 Church. And so we're, we're re-envisioning and reimagining this idea of Acts 2 Church for a 21st century world today. And, and we've talked about a lot of things in the weeks leading up to today. We've talked about devotion. We've talked about how in 2019 the greatest thing that we can give our lives to is Jesus and the church. We've talked about uh, the apostles' teaching and um, you know, getting into the word of God and knowing that for ourselves. We've talked about fellowship, breaking of bread and remembering Jesus. And last week, we talked about prayer. We talked about how as we pray, God begins to move in our lives. So we're continuing in Acts 2, kind of going you know, word by word, phrase by phrase. And, and here's what comes next, Acts 2, 42, 43, and 47. It says, They devoted themselves, and those are the things I mentioned, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And then the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the church began to pray and God began to move. And then people were in awe of the many wonders and signs that were being done at the hands of the apostles. And so today I want to have a, a conversation with you about this idea of signs and wonders. And... Uh, this is a normal Sunday morning topic, but here it is in our passage today, and we want to make sure we pause and, and we ask this question about signs, wonders, and miracles. Are they real? Are they for today? Is God still in the signs, wonders, and miracle business? Well, some of you guys know that at 17 years old, um, God radically changed my life, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, started going to youth group, and I got rid of all my, my old rap music, so got rid of my, my Dr. Dre and my Snoop Dogg, and some of you know, not, you, know, you don't know anything about that. I started listening to Christian music, and um, you know you got saved in the 1990s if you ever sang this song. Oh yeah, come on. Oh. Bring back memories. Yeah. Some of you are younger, you're like, what just happened? <laughs> well, so back in the 90s, I actually won tickets through a radio station to go see Michael W. Smith in concert. And there was another band opening up for Michael W. Smith. It was a band nobody had ever heard of called Jars of Clay. And, uh, and it was pretty awesome. It was pretty epic. I was excited. My friends were going. My girl Angie was going. And uh, we were going to sing Friends Are Friends Forever. We were going to cry. I was going to put my arm around her. I just, you know, it was going to be great. It was going to be awesome. We had it all figured out. And uh, by the time we got to the concert, I was just I was not feeling good. 
I was, I was sick to my stomach. I felt gross. I felt disgusting. I mean, it could have been all the Burger King that I ate on the way to the concert. But I was in this van, just reclined back, feeling oh, like, like I could throw up at any moment. And, you know, I, I just was like, guys, go. Go. Go to Michael. <laughs> go. Just leave me here in the van. And they're like, no. Friends are friends forever, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and a friend will not say never. So they're like, all right, well, okay, just let us pray for you. And then if you feel better, you know, just lay here. If you feel better, come. You know, I'll, I'll join you. And so, um, and so they prayed for me. They prayed for me and for my stomach ache and just feeling sick. And I don't know if you've ever prayed and things got worse. That happens. And so instead of feeling better, I started feeling worse. And I remember just getting, guys, like, I'm not feeling good. And so I took two steps out of this van and I went to just hurl. And I went, and then, like, weirdest thing, I felt totally better. Weirdest thing I've ever experienced. Never happened to me before. Like, did God just heal me? Like, I grew up Presbyterian. <laughs> so, that like, nev- I never experienced that. I was like, what? That's weird. I was like, hey, guess we're going to the concert. Was that just coincidence? Was that psychological? Or does God actually heal? Does he still do miraculous things today? baffled by that experience. Like instant healing. So I want to talk today about this question of signs, wonders, and miracles. Are they for today? Are they real? Could we be living in a day of miracles? And maybe you're here today and you're a skeptic and or you know a skeptic and, and everything has a natural explanation. And, and you just you know, for you, it's, it's science, it's the laws of nature, and maybe that's where you're at today. Or maybe you're a Christian, you grew up reading your Bible, hearing all the stories, you heard about Moses parting the Red Sea, and Jonah, and the whale, and Jesus feeding 5,000, and you believe all that. You believe all those stories of the supernatural in the Bible. But you're wondering, is God still in the miracle business today? Is God still doing that on the earth? Well, I want to take you through the four most common objections to signs, wonders, and miracles today. Because I truly believe that God is still in the miracle business. And when I look at an Acts 2 church, I see a church in awe of the many wonders and signs being done in their midst. Check out Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is Acts 2 church right here. It's the kind of church we want to be. Acts 2 church for the 21st century. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. So let's pray. We'll dive in. It's an incredible church. God, thank you that, that you are a God um, who does things that, you do things that blow our minds sometimes, and, and you are awesome, and we are in awe of who you are today. And, and I just pray, God, that you would, you would open our hearts and open our minds um, to believe that you can still do the impossible things um, that we see that you've done in the past, God. Lord, we just pray that um, as we work these, through these objections, um, God, just help us in our own hearts and minds as we battle you know, our own objections, our own questions, Lord. We, we bring those to you today. And we ask that you would lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I got four objections to signs, wonders, and miracles today. And, and the first one is this. It's, a, it's, it's that miracles violate the laws of nature. It's, it's an overturning of science. And this is a pretty powerful objection. And it's one that we need to at least mention and look at today. And the reason for that is because our faith is based on a miracle. It's based on the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So if there is no resurrection, if there are no miracles, then there is no Christianity. And even the Apostle Paul said, if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain. And it's not just the resurrection of Christ, it's, it's the Bible. And we read our Bibles, we see story after story of the supernatural. Um, just the Gospel of Mark, for example, if you look at the Gospel of Mark, 31% of the verses in the Gospel of Mark involve the miraculous. And one-fifth of the book of Acts. Some of you have been to the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. There's a Jefferson Bible there. And you know what Jefferson did? He cut out all the references to the supernatural because that is the scientific world view. And many skeptics will say, you know, you're looking at your Bible and you're reading these stories and skeptics will say, well, that can't be true because miracles don't happen because that would violate the laws of nature. And many skeptics will, will say that. And the most famous of the skeptics in history is David Hume. He's a Scottish philosopher from the 1700s, and he said this. He said these words, miracles are a violation of the laws of nature. And so they're not possible. Stephen Hawking, more recently, another skeptic, said, religion believes in miracles, but miracles are not compatible with science. And what I want to say today is that's simply not true. There are voices in our culture that would like to put faith against Science, and that's simply not true. Miracles are not a violation of the laws of nature. Imagine an apple falls from the tree, right? Isaac Newton, it hits the ground. That is the law of gravity. And, and that's a good thing, right? God created the world with natural laws. And so we live in a predictable environment, and that's a good thing. Without predictability, we wouldn't even be able to recognize a miracle as a miracle. So we need that predictability. Um, we're not talking about regular occurrences today. We're talking about the miraculous. So imagine that apple falls from a tree, but instead of hitting the ground, 
you, with your quick hands and cat-like reflexes, reach in and catch that apple. Did you just violate the law of gravity? No, you merely intervened. And so if there is a God who created everything and even made that regularity in the natural world, it's certainly not too much of a stretch to think that he could intervene for special purposes and reasons. He's not overturning science. He's not violating the law of nature. He's merely intervening. And so it's a question of worldview, isn't it? And if there is a God that exists, then miracles certainly are possible. And that's why we see miracle after miracle in our Bible. It's why we see eyewitness testimony of miracles like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if a God exists, miracles are possible. It's not against science. It's not a violation of nature. I mean, you know, we read our Bible, we hear these stories, and we go, why isn't God doing that today? And certainly God had special purposes and special reasons for doing big supernatural things in redemptive history. But there's another common objection that I want to look at today, and, and that's this idea that, that the miraculous gifts ceased with the apostles. And that's another common objection. It's a view known as cessationism. And we may actually have some cessationists in the house today. So if you are here and you're like, cessationism, whoop, whoop. Hey, glad you're here. Because this is one of those views in the open hand. Right? We can debate it. We can discuss it. We can disagree about it. And at the end of the day, we're still Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christians. Right? It's open hand. You have these conversations. It's not closed hand. You know what I go closed hand on? Jesus is God. Bible's true. Those are in the closed hand. This is in the open hand. We can debate it. We can discuss it. You got it? Okay. So, miraculous gifts cease with the apostles is one common view. It's known as cessationism. And what is cessationism? Cessationism is the view that the miraculous gifts ceased with the apostles and the writing of the Bible, and that we should not seek them today. And without a doubt, God was doing something pretty special with the apostles, right? These are the ones that Jesus sent out into the world to lay the foundation of the church. And he sent them out, like we saw in Acts 2, with signs and wonders and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write the scriptures. So certainly God is doing something big and unique in redemptive history through the apostles. And we even see that in our passage today. Acts 2.43 says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. We see that similar in Acts 5.12. Acts 5.12, many signs and wonders were performed among the people by the hands of the apostles. So without a doubt, God is doing something unique with these 12 apostles. But what I want to say today is by no means are signs, wonders, and miracles limited to the apostles. And even in Acts 4, early on, we see the believers are gathered together and the entire church is there and they're praying and they're asking God that God would not only give them boldness to preach the gospel, 
but that signs and wonders would accompany their preaching. Look at Acts 4, 29 and 30. This is the prayer of the believers gathered together. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, Holy Servant Jesus. And you remember the room was shaken and they went out with great boldness. And what I just want to say today is that this isn't just the prayer of the apostles. This is the believer's prayer. Would we have the boldness? Would we have the faith today to pray this? And what we see is that God begins to answer this prayer. And that God begins to stretch out his hand and to heal. And the miraculous continues through the apostles and through the hands of those who are not apostles. Just some examples. Stephen, Philip, Barnabas, the elders of the church, and then gifts of healing and miracles in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. You know, and there's a lot more that we could talk about on this. But instead of seeing a ceasing of miraculous gifts, we see them, we see a movement and a continuation even down to this very day where we, we hear rumors of miraculous stories out on the mission field, foreign lands. You guys heard those rumors? And we go, maybe, just maybe, 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 objection number three, maybe miracles only happen in Africa. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. And it's not just Africa, it's Latin America, it's China, it's India, and all these rumors. Have you heard them? Oh, God's doing the miraculous around the world today. And all over the globe, signs and wonders are following those who believe, just like Jesus said. In China, for example, where the church is exploding, stories of the miraculous are commonplace. And I did say commonplace. Edmund Tang, a researcher of Asian Christianity in Birmingham University, says that up to 90% of the growth of the church in China is because of people who themselves or someone they know have experienced a supernatural healing. 90% of the growth in China is from people who have experienced a supernatural healing or they know someone who experienced a supernatural healing. And that's happening in mission fields all over the world. In the Muslim world, men and women are coming to Christ like never before. It's actually a very exciting time to be alive. And one of the powerful ways that people are coming to Christ in the Muslim world is through dreams and visions. And there was, there's another researcher, David Garrison, and, and he was really skeptical of what he was hearing from the Muslim world. He's a, he's a missiologist, he's a miss, missions researcher. So what he did is he decided to travel a quarter of a million miles into every corner of the, of the Muslim world. And he began to interview former Muslims who had given their lives to Jesus Christ. And he interviewed over a thousand people and he asked them two questions. He said, number one, what's your story? And then he said, how'd you come to faith in Jesus Christ? What happened? And he, he writes these stories in a book that 
man, it's just an incredible book. It's called A Wind in the House of Islam. How God is Drawing Muslims Around the World to Faith in Christ. And, and it's amazing to read those stories. Because in many of those stories, Muslim men and women are having visions of Jesus. And then people are showing up to explain to them the message of the gospel. That's happening all over the world. It's incredible. So we go, wow, maybe it's Africa. Maybe it's China. And we begin to go, well, maybe, just maybe, miracles only happen in Africa. And I think what we're seeing is, and as I look at the big global picture, and, and there, are, there are different ways you could think about this, or, but, but I see around the world that really the miraculous is not evenly distributed. And that there are hot spots around the world where God is on the move today. And, and that the miraculous tends to cluster in specific places. What kind of places are we talking about? Where are these hot spots? Well, they tend to be on the leading edge of the kingdom of God in the world today, where the gospel is penetrating new frontiers, new lands, new places. And that's where we see these incredible hot spots of the supernatural around the world today. Which is very interesting. I mean, we kind of see this in the book of Acts, don't we? We see, we see that, that signs and wonders are closely connected to the evangelistic ministry of the church. I don't know if you've ever made that connection before. That maybe God is using signs and wonders to, to expand his kingdom around the world today. It's what we see in, in our verse, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Um, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Then it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It goes back to what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Judea. Sorry, Judea, Samaria. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's the ends of the earth. And we want to say, God, I'll stay. Give me your power. And God's like, no, you go, and I'll give you my power. God gives us power to be his witnesses on the earth today. And I just believe that here in the United States, we're ready for that. We're ripe for that. America is one of the largest growing mission fields on the earth today. And we are ripe for a move of God. And you know, says, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And so would we have the courage, like those early believers, to, to pray boldly? And maybe to, to pray for people who maybe don't even... I've never experienced God's power. Say, so, you know what? Hey, you're, you're sick today. You're battling something. Can I pray for you? I've never had somebody who's not a believer say, no, please don't pray for me. But it's an opportunity to show somebody that what we believe is not just a matter of talk. It really is a matter 
of power. And wherever you see the leading edge of God's kingdom on the earth today, you're seeing God move in powerful ways. I think that's where the awe is at. You know, I say missionaries have the best stories, because they really do. And you know, we have the opportunity every single day to be on the leading edge of God's kingdom in the world. And, and a lot of you are out there doing that. And it's not just a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. And so let's get out there, right there where we live, work, and play, and be his witnesses. And you know what Jesus promises? He says, you'll receive power. We say, God, give me your power and I'll go. God says, no, you go and I'll give you the power. It's faith. It's risk. It's stepping out. And it's exciting. So there's this objection. Maybe it only happens in Africa. And I just wonder if this, there's another objection behind this objection. And it's the objection that maybe it's just not for me. Maybe miracles aren't for us. And it's great what God's doing in China. It's great what God's doing in Africa. I believe in miracles. Brian, what you're talking about, it's just not for me. This is a huge objection sometimes in our hearts. And I think just I just think in the depths of our soul, we're not convinced that there is a God who's still supernaturally active in the world today. And we'll relegate that to the past. We'll relegate that to the Bible. We'll relegate that to a mission field in Africa. But a lot of times when we start talking about our church, Start talking about our lives. Start talking about praying for somebody who's not a believer. And honestly, we're just afraid to go there. And I get it. I get the fear. There's risk. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for somebody and they've not been healed. So there's risk. There are crazy people on TV with big hair and gold rings and there are extreme and there are abuses and there are false teachers and people get deceived and there is hype and there are phonies and that's why the very first thing you see in Acts chapter 2 is they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and we better be a church that knows the word of God so well that we can spot a phony and a lie and at no point you see up here hype or phoniness. But we cannot be afraid of the genuine and supernatural ways that God wants to work in our lives. We can't be afraid. And so I challenge us today to wrestle in our own hearts if we're saying, you know what, this isn't for us. It's for the Bible. It's for the mission field. It's not for us. God is awesome. And he can do things that blow our minds. I remember 
one of our students. Her name was Holly Ann, teenage girl. Crazy, crazy girl. And one night we were praying and worshiping. Holly had a vision of an old elderly woman using a walker. She felt like she needed to pray for this woman. Well, weren't any of those up on the third floor of the youth room. <laughs> we didn't know what to do. So Holly went downstairs to our first floor. You know what she saw? An old elderly woman with a walker. She just goes, never, never seen this woman, never met her. She just says, hey, my name's Holly, and uh, what's your name? The old woman says, Phyllis. She goes, Phyllis, can I pray for you? She put her hands on Phyllis, teenage girl. Prays for God, prays for Phyllis, just blesses her, loves her, prays for her, gives her a hug, goes back up to youth group. Next day, I get a call. I'm in my office, and uh, it's Phyllis's massage therapist. She's not a Christian. She's calling me up. She goes, what did you do to Phyllis? <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> she goes, what did you do to Phyllis? I said, uh, number one, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She goes, Phyllis has been a client of mine for years. She has a very debilitating curvature of the spine, and she lives with pain every single day. When she, every week she comes in, I see the stress and the pain on her face. She goes, what did you do to Phyllis? I said, I don't know. I don't know what. Tell me. She said, Phyllis came in today. She was pain-free. She wasn't using her walker, and her face looked younger. What did you do to Phyllis? And I just said, let me tell you about Jesus. And let me tell you about the power that's in the name of Jesus. Guys, if a teenage girl can step out in faith and pray for somebody, what could we do? I'm not talking about hype. I'm not talking about anything weird. I'm just talking about believing in a God who does the supernatural. Being willing to reach out our hands and to pray for one another and to pray for those who might have needs around us. And just to invite God's power. God, do something. Does everybody get healed? Does everybody get a miracle? No. Otherwise, they'd be called ordinaries or regulars. It goes back to point one, right? Sometimes the biggest miracle isn't what God takes away, but it's what God gets you through. Some of you know that, that miracle. At the end of the day, a miracle is a sign. And that's why it says signs and wonders. They're things that leave us in awe. 
Signs don't exist for themselves. Rarely have I been driving out down the road and pulled over to obsess about a sign. They're not there for themselves. They point us to a destination. Signs and wonders are exactly that. They're pointing us to a destination. And that destination is new life in Jesus Christ. That destination is a kingdom that is present and available to every single one of us through faith in Christ. And the greatest miracle of my life was back as a teenager when I stepped into this relationship with the supernatural God. And my life has never been the same since. So I say miracles are for us. Miracles are possible. And some of you, the greatest miracle today is going to be to say yes to Jesus. Some of you, the greatest miracle today is to go another day with that thing that you're battling. You know, some of you, it, it, maybe it's saying, you know what? I'm going to invite somebody to pray for me and just ask God to move in a powerful way. That's all I'm talking about today. But I believe God still does miracles today. So let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for this opportunity to be reminded that you're, you are powerful. You spoke the universe into existence. Nothing's too hard for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. And sometimes we, we don't even ask. We don't even bring our struggles and our pain before you. So God, today we ask even as, as those early believers did, Lord, we pray that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done. We, see, we, we ask that we would be on the leading edge of an expansion of your kingdom in the world today and that you would give us boldness in that. We ask, God, that you would stretch out your hand and do wonders and signs on the earth today, not just in mission fields around the world, but here, Lord, in our lives, in our hearts, Lord, nothing fake, but would you do something genuine and miraculous in our lives today? And we pray for those, God, who are living in pain. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for, for backs that are hurt, for, for marriages that are broken, for those without the finances they need. God, do a wonder in our hearts, in our lives today. And we pray that in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said, amen.